Good morning. My name is Geneviève Beauchamp. I'm the music director on the other side of the campus. It's great to be with you this morning. We have a few announcements. Uh, the Suncoast Bloodmobile is right to your right. If you feel like giving the, the gift of life, we would love to have you go before 12.30. And uh, I hear that they are giving... Um, all donors are going to receive a free pint of custard from Culver's. So that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. <laughs> um, also, because of the holiday, we're not going to have a sermon discussion group tomorrow. We are adding more to the list of activities in the Palm Center. There's a new yoga class that will begin Friday, June 4th, from 11 a.m. to noon, and it will be led by certified holy yoga instructor Laura Davison. No need to sign up, just show up. Are you a numbers person? The communication team is looking for someone who loves numbers. Analytics can tell us so much about how effectively we're reaching people, and if that's your cup of tea, wonderful, good for you, and we invite you to come and brainstorm with the team about how this data help us outreach uh, and, and grow. So you can contact Sarah Soboleski. And now while the band is making their way, I have one more announcement, and it's about Day of Hope. And Day of Hope is Saturday, July 17th, and we will be serving 250 children again this year, and we'll provide them with backpacks that are filled with school supplies. They will receive some, um, some gift cards. They're going to receive um, food from Detweilers and from the food bank. And we'd like to thank all of you who have... Uh, volunteered, and we have actually enough volunteers this year because it is a drive-through, so we need a little less than next year when we're doing the full Day of Hope. Uh, but a couple ways you can still help. Um, we could still use monetary donations, so if you want to write a check, a check to Church of the Palms with um, uh, the Day of Hope in the memo line, we would appreciate that, or toothbrushes and toothpaste. Toothbrush of all sizes and toothpaste would be really appreciated. Thank you. All right, please stand. It's an exciting day today. We're going to have the words on the screen. <laughs> We're going to sing that. I'm the friend of God. Who am I that you are mindful of me That you hear me When I call Is it true that you are thinking of me How you love me It's amazing who am I that you are mindful of me? That you hear me when I call? Is it true that you are thinking of me? How you love me? It's amazing. of God I am a friend 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 of God
volunteer here every once in a while, but we haven't been able to do it for a long time, right? Every week it's getting more back to normal, isn't it? Does it feel good? Yeah, it really does feel good. Hey, usually at this time in the service, we would have people passing uh, little bags and we'd put money in that. And uh, I just want to remind you that we have a variety of ways to give. We're not doing the bags right now. But you can go online to do that. You can give some money to Steve on the way out. You can, uh, <laughs> you could mail it to the church. You can go on, online. And I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, Anita just uh, nudged me as we were uh, listening to the announcements, and she said, "We haven't given Day of Hope yet." And I said, "Yeah, we got to do that," and which we will do. So uh, this is a great church, isn't it? We keep on recommending it to our friends. It's like, come on by, now that we can do that again. And we want to give so that ministries here can just prosper and to keep on moving along. We did well during COVID. Who knows what the future has for us, right? Pretty cool for us. Um, We are going to do the prayers of the people now. These are your prayers that we are going to offer up. And we have some mic runners here. Usually it's high school students. I'm observing that perhaps they were in high school at one time. (laughs) Recently. Yes, very, very, very recently. So would you just introduce yourself and just tell us what high school you went to? (laughs) And what year you graduated? (laughs) And what, what your GPA was. <laughs> uh, well, wow. I was okay with it until about then. Um, my name is Sarah Sobolewski. I have the pleasure of serving on staff here as the Director of Families and Outreach. I went to Fort Collins High School in Fort Collins, Colorado, where I was a mighty lampkin. Thanks Ooh. for asking. 
Well, I graduated in 1968, and I know I don't look that old, but you can say that. Oh, you don't look that old, but you're you don't not look doing that. that old. What year was that for you? I graduated in the very early 90s. Oh, How's that? Is that specific okay. enough? Okay. We're not friends anymore, are we? <laughs> and my name is Susan Neisler. I also have the pleasure of serving on staff here. I'm the Health and Wellbeing Director. I graduated from Watkins Memorial High School in Pataskala, Ohio. Wow. In the lovely year of 1984. All right. <laughs> All right. See, that, it wasn't that painful for you no, to say. No, I'm actually okay with that. What do you think's that? wrong with Sarah? I mean, I'm, I'm working on Sarah. On I'm working on it. <laughs> that sets the table for prayer, right? <laughs> uh, but what are some of the things that are on your heart? that you would just like to lift up to the Lord because uh, either Sarah or Susan would like to rush to you and just so you can articulate that. Anything that's going on? Yes. Thank you. I just want to lift up my friend Renee who is battling cancer um, and it's come back after like a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, that's hard, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Anybody else? Right back here. Thank you. Am I close enough to this thing? Yes. Yes, you are. I would hope the congregation would pray for my cousin, Ginny, who uh, is in hospital in intensive care for the second time in two years for breaking her neck in a fall. Oh. First time was in Bradenton, but she had the uh, wisdom to go to Michigan to do it the second time. So um, she's 85 and she's tough and she survived a 1% chance of making it the first time. And uh, she's still with us now, but I told her I would mention her today. All right, thank, thank you. you. And her name again was? Ginny. Anybody else? Well, I'm going to invite us all uh, to pray. Uh, I, I'd like to start with some silence, and during that silence, I'd love uh, for you to start by just confessing uh, to God anything that you feel that you need to just talk to God about, fully realizing that as you do that, that God is faithful, is just, he wants to hear those kind of prayers, and he's just dying to forgive us just wants to forgive us for anything that's happened in our life. And then lift up anything else in the silence, uh, especially these two intentions, uh, and anything else in the world, in your own personal life, in your family, in your community that you think is worth drawing attention to and asking God about. So let's uh, just close our eyes.
Lord God, we uh, just want to thank you for the opportunity that we have to lift our concerns to you. We are thankful that as we confessed things that were going on in our own life, that, that you are there and you're saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. Nothing can separate you from my love. Uh, you are good and gracious, God. And Lord, as we think of uh, cancer and we think of injury and we think of the people involved and the people that surround them, we just ask for for healing, for support, and for care, for good medical care. And Lord, as we look around our world, even in our nation, um, we just know that there's healing that needs to be done. There are people that are hurting, that there are decisions that daily are being made everywhere around us that affect a lot of lives. And Lord, so I pray that uh, your grace, your wisdom would just fill us, fill our friends, fill our family, fill our community, leaders, our national leaders, those who lead countries all around the world. Give them all of you so they can just do more of what you want them to do. We pray that, Lord. We just pray. And we want to thank you for hearing our prayer. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate that. Oh my gosh, here's last week's sermon. <laughs> I'm like, what is this up here? We're going to thread that bad boy. All right. Good morning. Today, the scripture passage comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. And I am grateful today to have my friend Jonathan, who is, what is your title? Sir. Sir, Sir Jonathan. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm the pianist and organist over there. That's, that's over there. just the pianist organist over there. Seems like so much more, like, oh, anyway. And you, sir, 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 Steve. All right. They're going to help me read the, the scripture passage today. Now, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can we enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born from water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Mm -mm. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things, and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? 
No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but that in order that the world might be saved, him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Let us pray. Open our hearts and minds, O God, to the word just read and the words to come, that they might point to you the word made flesh, Jesus the Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So today is Trinity Sunday where we have this opportunity to reflect on the monotheistic one true God who really is three gods in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I know as Presbyterians, we use Trinitarian language. For example, we baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But I don't know if you've noticed, but we don't cross ourselves Going back to the first two centuries of both Eastern and Western Christianity, there emerged this simple form of body prayer, wherein you trace the image of the cross over the upper part of your body. And I wonder if it might be of some value to us Protestants today. Now, if you have any kind of heartache over this practice, do not do it. It's not worth it. I mean, we wouldn't do it in public worship, of course. But if we were so inclined, we could start in front of a mirror at home as we start our day. What if we were to bless ourselves in the morning as a reminder of whose we are and as a shielding and honoring of our body, starting with the forehead, honoring our thoughts and minds in the name of the Father, and of the sun as we travel down over our heart towards our stomach. And this is the blessing of our own enfleshment and incarnation as the body of Christ. And then again, and enjoying the flow of love, we cross our body from shoulder to shoulder over our heart again and say, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. The key lies in our ability to do this consciously, lovingly, prayerfully, and freely as we choose. This is just one way for the body itself to know of holy things, to honor our body as the temple and container of the mystery of God. Speaking of mysteries, one theologian wrote, I don't for a moment pretend to understand the Trinity, and quite frankly, I don't trust anyone who says they do. Goodness, even Augustine said it was beyond him. Robert Capon wrote that when human beings try to describe God, we are like a bunch of oysters trying to describe a ballerina. This is a gentle reminder for us to appreciate the mystery of God. Mystery isn't something that you cannot understand. It is something that you can endlessly understand. There is no point at which we get to say, I've got it. 
always and forever, mystery gets us. It doesn't help us that the doctrine of the Trinity isn't even mentioned in the Bible. Scholars have used scripture passages like ours from today to gain some understanding. This well-known passage from John is a rarity in the Gospels because Jesus actually discusses in some detail all three persons of the Trinity. In the 7th century, a Greek theologian named John of Damascus developed an understanding of the Trinity called perichoresis. This Greek word gives a lovely image of God. Peri, as in perimeter, means around. Choresis means literally dancing, as in the choreography of a ballet. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are like three dancers holding hands, moving around together in harmonious, joyful freedom and self-giving love. They are what they are only in relationship to each other. Whatever is going on in God is a flow, a radical relatedness, a perfect communion between three, a circle dance of love. And God is not just a dancer. God is the dance itself. But there's more. In the 15th century, Andrei Rublev painted the icon called the Trinity. As icons do, the painting attempts to point beyond itself and to hold space for the communion that exists in our midst. At the time of Rublev, the Trinity was the embodiment of spiritual unity, peace, harmony, mutual love, and humility. In Rublev's icon, there are three primary colors. Rublev considered gold the color of the Father, which represents perfection, wholeness, and the ultimate source. He considered blue the color of the human, both sea and sky mirroring one another, and therefore God in Christ taking on the world, taking on humanity. You'll see that Christ is displaying his two fingers to tell us that he has put together spirit and matter, divinity and humanity within himself. The spirit is represented by the color green, the divine photosynthesis that grows everything from within by transforming light into itself. The Holy One, in the form of three, are eating and drinking in infinite hospitality and utter enjoyment between themselves. The gaze between them is loving and respectful as they share a common bowl. And notice the hand of the Spirit pointing toward that open and fourth place at the table. Is the Holy Spirit inviting, offering, and clearing space? If so, for what? Well, it turns out there is a little rectangle on the front of the table. Most people pass right over it, but some art historians believe that the remaining glue on that original icon indicates that there was perhaps once a mirror glued to the table. It's stunning when you think about it. There is room at the table for a fourth, for the observer, for you, for me. 
In fact, all of creation is invited to sit at the divine table and to participate in the divine dance of loving and being loved. That is an awesome mirror, right? A way to see how we fit into the fellowship of love. It reminds me of those two guys that went to a little place to grab a drink so they could catch up with each other. Joe quietly said to his buddy Tom, Look at those two old men sitting across the bar. We need to be careful, or that's going to be us in 10 years. Tom looked at his friend and said, Joe, that's a mirror. <laughs> Saw that coming. Remember how the queen in Snow White boldly asked her mirror, Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? Wouldn't it be great to have a talking mirror, a mirror that would answer all of your questions? We could ask, mirror, mirror, what is needed to create the life I desire? Or mirror, mirror, what is blocking true happiness in my life? The queen was outraged when her mirror answered Snow White, but it was showing the queen what she would need to develop in order to become the fairest of them all. Snow White had the qualities that the queen lacked, kindness, humility, and patience. The queen failed to see Snow White's good qualities as traits that she too could develop, becoming more beautiful in the process. Instead of being inspired by Snow White, the queen sought to destroy her. When we are jealous of someone, our feelings are the mirror urging us to develop that part of ourselves that is lacking or that's covered up with pain. When something a person says or does incites anger or upsets us emotionally, our reaction holds the key to our inner world. No one makes us feel jealous or angry our reactions to other people are cues, signaling to us that something within needs healing or reconciliation, signaling that perhaps we're not connected to the divine three. When Saturday Night Live comedian Pete Davidson crudely mocked Congressman-elect Dan Crenshaw because of Crenshaw's eye patch, no one expected the former Navy SEAL and decorated war hero to respond to the insults the way that he did. The mockery of Crenshaw's combat-inflicted disability resulted in such a strong public backlash that the comedian fell into depression and self-loathing. The comedian wrote in an Instagram post, I really don't want to be on this earth anymore. I'm doing my best to stay here for you but I don't actually know how much longer I can last. Some might have expected Crenshaw to say to the comedian, well, it serves him right. I'm a veteran, and I know that many lost their lives, but I lost my eye serving our country in Afghanistan. Crenshaw could have reacted by adding to the backlash or by simply ignoring the comedian. Instead, the veteran privately reached out to befriend, encourage, and speak life-giving words to Davidson. He told the comedian that everyone had a purpose in the world and that God put you here for a reason. It's your job to find that purpose. Instead of firing back, 
Crenshaw built a bridge. Instead of shaming and scolding, he spoke tenderly. Instead of seeking vindication through retaliation, he sought friendship through peacemaking. Instead of adding to that cycle of outrage, he responded with a gesture of unconditional love. Moved by compassion for the pain that Davidson had brought upon himself at, Kent, at Crenshaw's expense, the man trained in military strike and defense offered a gentle answer. So gentle, in fact, that it turned away the wrath of one man's self-loathing. Then, on Veterans Day weekend, the two came face to face on Saturday Night Live to make amends. Crenshaw offered warm remarks and high praise in reference to Davidson's own father, a New York City firefighter who died in the September 11, 2001 terrorist attack when Davidson was just seven years old. At the end of the segment, when he thought they were off camera, the embattled and humbled comedian leaned over to Crenshaw and whispered, you're a good man. Jesus holds up a mirror for Nicodemus to show him that he too is a good man. Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the dark. One cannot see into a mirror in the dark. But Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus, who is the light of the world, helps Nicodemus see himself the way God sees him. Like many of us, Nicodemus comes with both faith and questions. He tells Jesus, I know you come from God because there's no way that you could do the things that you do apart from God. And when Jesus starts talking about being born again with water and the Spirit, Nicodemus is confused and he has questions. Jesus holds up the mirror so that Nicodemus can see that God sent his son so everyone who believes, look into the mirror, everyone, you, me, even Nicodemus can live now and forever in the presence of God, which is a holy dance party. Scott, Scott Hosey writes, Creation itself sprang from a bubbling overflow of God's love. Like a shaken up bottle of champagne, God's love within the Trinity was so effervescent, so richly pressured, and so full that sooner or later the cork had to explode out. And when it did, a river of love gushed forth and sprayed everywhere. Creation is that overflow of love. God wanted to share the life and the love he already had so exquisitely among Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our job now is to let love flow in us and through us. We cannot diminish God's love for us. What we can do, however, is learn how to believe it, receive it, trust it, and celebrate it. If someone were to bump into you today, what would spill out? Are your hands and fists clenched? Or are your hands open? Is it a negative energy or a life energy that controls your days? Are you overly defensive? Or can you be vulnerable? Vulnerable? 
look in the mirror and ask the Spirit to flow through you. God is so good that Jesus uses our weaknesses, our questions, and most especially our mistakes to draw us even closer to that experience of love. If you're wondering what the flow of the Spirit looks like, here's a small example. Just recently, a middle school in Dallas organized a breakfast with dads event and then realized, of course, that some students lack father figures. So the school made a Facebook post asking for 50 volunteers. The next morning, 600 men showed up to help out. Friends, if you want to learn again, to have the Spirit flow through you, I want to share a practice for you to consider. I found it in the Center for Action and Contemplation. We know, of course, that the Spirit blows where it chooses, but we also know that God is always seeking relationship with us. Since many of us have a hard time <clears throat> just sitting and meditating, I want to share with you the simple guidelines for a walking meditation. I am inspired by the poem by Elizabeth Barrett Browning. She writes, Earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes, the rest sit around and So here are the guidelines for a walking meditation. Leave alone and in silence. Return alone and in silence. There is no goal. The journey is the total destination. Just place one foot lovingly and intentionally in front of the other and honestly trust in guidance those who expect the Spirit, receive the Spirit. Take no books or journal. Your motto is, don't think, just look. Do not come back hoping to have something profound or meaningful to say. If you do, fine, but that's not the goal. It is what it is, and that's your teacher. You'll be living life at two to three miles an hour, just the way you are designed to live, and that is very good, so good You'll have a wonderful chance of experiencing the pure flow of the Trinity through your body, a rebirth. I just ordered myself a mirror medallion, and it may be something that we want to use once our walking trail is complete in the back 40, because it signals to others that we are not being rude or non-social, but rather we are keeping silent for a meditative walk. The medallion has a mirror that faces outward as you wear it, receiving the outer world exactly as a true mirror should, without distortion, adjustment, denial, or judgment. What comes toward me first of all deserves to be honored in its bare essence, and then also that it is what it is and does not immediately need my analysis or commentary or labeling. The mirror, however, also faces inward, looking directly at your soul and your heart without judgment, symbolized by the Trinitarian eye of God, gazing perhaps 
at what you cannot or will not see, the divine image you carry. The quote on the inside is from the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 3.18. He writes, Our unveiled gaze receives and reflects the brightness of God. The verse continues, Until little by little we are turned into the image that we reflect. This is the work of the Lord who is the Spirit. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we are so grateful for your presence in our lives. We are so grateful that you never give up on us, that even when we are at our darkest, the light still shines. Thank you, Lord for the light that you put in each one of us. Thank you, Lord, for a light that never goes out. And thank you for taking us by the hand to guide us through our darkest time. We are so grateful for your presence. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Ah, uh-huh. 
remember the apartment and a thousand generations and your family and your children and the children and the children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and the children and the children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and the children and the children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and the children and the children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you he is with you he is with you in the morning in the evening in your coming and your going and your weeping and rejoicing he is for you 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 good. Mm. Now may the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes, the love of God reflected in your hands, the wisdom of God reflected in your words, and the knowledge of God flow through your hearts so that all might see and believe. And all God's children said, Amen.